0: Welcome in, Traveler. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Fantasy Football RPG Podcast. It's time to level up in fantasy football.
1: Oh, Bengals, Bengals, Bengals. I was expecting a lot more fight from the Bengals. Man, it really just seemed like they couldn't really scrape it together. The O-line was just getting beat up and seems like even with a high ankle sprain sustained uh, nearly a week ago, now a week and a half, I guess, uh, Patrick Mahomes was able to do Patrick Mahomes things and win the game. I guess that should put to bed any concern over Patrick Mahomes' time in Kansas City without Tyreek Hill. Seems like uh, he's doing just fine with what he's got. Um, Although, saying that, a couple guys are only around on year or so contracts, so the potential is there for them to go get somebody um maybe see if they can squeeze a last drop of life out of DeAndre Hopkins but we shall see for now Kansas City back to the Super Bowl and welcome back Eagles to the Super Bowl should be a should be a good one you know it'd be <laughs> i'm sure Evan would be pleased to hear it um and I'm thinking he will be joining me here in the next minute or so but I think the Eagles got this firepower for firepower. I think they're pretty even. You maybe give a slight edge to Patrick Mahomes because he's shown to be that guy. But that Eagles defense, that that thing looks for real. So I'm imagining an Eagles win here. Maybe 28-23. Corey, can you hear me? Hey, yeah,
0: I can ha! Okay,
1: I use the headphones. Oh, nice, nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I had my volume a little low too. Oh, uh, I was gonna say that's that's what I'm trying to figure out is eh, how loud how do I t- really need to speak? So it sounds good. I need to I need to go to the Apple Store to get the get them looked at because whenever I put in the right one, it, it like gets all staticky and whatnot when I put oh, it on weird. the noise cancel the noise cancellation mode. So like, I'll just hear like a static in the background, and I'm like, this is super annoying.
1: So is it just happening like passively like it when you're not even playing anything or
0: yeah so like I can put it in right now and it's just like I I can literally just hear it
1: right now like nobody's
0: talking or anything can you hear it coming through
1: now that I turn my volume up all the way I can yeah yeah wow
0: so I have I have that in my ear when I put this one in
1: oh yeah that's no good you don't want that (laughs) so
0: (laughs) I've been rocking with just the left one
1: gotcha yeah, it was, it was just a bummer last time when I was editing, there was like a good chunk of like some of our combos where I would have like, it's easy for me to edit it when it's just a little bit of overlap. But if I like say something loud enough where it comes over on your speakers, then like it's on your audio too. And I can't get rid of that. So it was just kind of a bummer. Although that episode was also like long, so it was okay to like trim a little bit of stuff there, but
0: yeah. It was it was long. It was fun, though. I mean, I, th- I think it was fun.
1: Oh, it was, yeah, I love that episode. I think that was like super fun. I have kind of a similar ish game for us to play on this one. So I don't know if you got a chance to like kind of preview it at the bottom of this doc. I mean,
0: <laughs> very, very minimally. Mm-hmm. I think it was great, though. I was actually on the crazy enough. I was on the poor man podcast and they were asking about uh, coaches and whatnot. And I ended up saying Sean Payton to Denver. And they were just like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Like, that's so great. And then,
1: lo and behold. Yeah. And and kudos on you to, for just like sticking to that, because, you know, it seemed like one of those things where I heard about the meeting and I was like, OK, that could be interesting. He could definitely see Russ as like fixable and go there and still a team with a lot of talent. Um, So it's possible. Right. And then I started hearing the reports like, oh, the interview didn't go well or like, there there won't be a second interview with sean payton and i was like okay maybe not like maybe Russ is like not fixable and sean payton like ha- or he had just had a bad interview or the saints wanted too much for him um so i kind of wavered there but you you stuck it through and it ended up being yeah more just like kind of smoking mirrors and and they ended up uh getting their guy looks like well it it, it does sound like they wanted D'Amico. I read, I read that too. Yeah, and there were like conflicting reports from uh, Schefter and Rappaport, I think, which was interesting to see. Yep. Um, not really sure. I mean, I tend to lean Rappaport in general, but yeah, just weird to see like kind of opposite uh, <laughs> reads on that. Interesting to to know where that all kind of came from. Oh, but I have to ask you: Have you seen Last of Us yet? Yes. Oh my dude, I was not ready for how sad that episode was. Yeah
0: okay so i I go back and forth because it makes me think like did they just put the episode in there just to show that because like really it didn't advance any of the plot or anything
1: i said the same thing at the end of the episode i i was watching it with my wife she was like a a teary blubbery mess and like i'll admit too like i it was sad like it got me a little bit but like at the end of it i just looked over i'm like Wait, like that was the ep- that was like a really long episode to go nowhere. Like we basically got the plot of these people that aren't going to matter for the rest of the story, besides the fact that they got a truck out of knowing them, I guess.
0: Well, and and the big thing to remember is Ellie got a gun.
1: True. that That is true. too. That, jo- yeah, that Joel
0: does not know about.
1: That's pretty big. Yeah. Which basically foreshadows
0: to the point that Ellie's going to save him with that gun.
1: Makes sense. And that'll be, I mean, hopefully that's her reason to keep it. If she <laughs> saves him, that'll be reason enough for him. Um, although then not telling him about it. Eh, I don't know. Um, so that'll be interesting. I, I definitely just, yeah, I was rearing for like more story, I guess. And just like getting further in that, but you know, they just went the full like gut punch, although it was like kind of romantic and uh, like sweet in a way and like not super Super sad like kind of a happy ish ending especially for zombie apocalypse times i guess but you know i yeah i agree with you in terms of just i wish there was more advancement but guess we'll look forward to that in the next episode i i had to just relay that and get your feed because this is slowly turning into at least a quarter of like a last of us recap show uh, which i'm totally okay with uh because i think it's really good but anywho wanted to get that out of the way and then i did just want to mention um you ever have Those like bottles of whiskey sometimes that you're like finishing off, and you go to pour a double, and you're like, Well, if I make it a triple, that'll be it. So, might as well make it a triple. Well, that's that's what I'm going to be working on through the podcast. So, uh, (laughs) you get to enjoy slightly more tipsy than usual, Corey. I hope that's okay with you. You know, it's always fine, Corey. I don't care, man. All right. Well, before we really get into things uh why don't we go ahead and take to a quick ad break and we'll get started when we come back
0: i figure i'll try and do once the senior bowl happens i'll try and do a a draft recap on that
1: yeah i've been uh spying twitter updates just from like what people are seeing right now out there some some exciting stuff for sure
0: well it's super exciting to hear Tajay Spears is doing as well as he is because I love Tajay Spears
1: dude the Tajay Spears hype is is real he was
0: he's he's one of the sleeper he was one of the sleepers that I had going into the bowl games and then he absolutely just shredded USC and then everybody started talking about it and I'm like well all right there goes that sleeper
1: I, I I am seeing multiple yeah, same. I'm seeing multiple guys come out uh saying that he is like beyond a shadow of a doubt the best RB there right now. Like just just pulling out the stops, yep. making moves. So uh that yep. is very exciting. At another like that wasn't even an RB I was necessarily counting in with like the big what are we up to now? Like the big six that you're like pretty good taking with this year's draft. Um obviously Bijan in his own tier, but like five other guys that I'm like yeah, I'm absolutely happy with just, like, taking this guy and, and seeing what happens. um. But just tack on another one, I guess. I was
0: going to say, I think it's interesting you say that because, I mean, I'm looking at it and, like, start going through and it's just, like, Gibbs, Charbonnet, mm-hmm. A-Chain, if you want to get a little spicy and just bet on the speed of him. Yep. Zach Evans, bet on his five-star five star prospect touting, uh, bet on Tank Bigsby just being a plotter. I mean... You got Deuce Deuce Vaughn if he can Deuce overcome Vaughn. the size. I I think the size is going to be an issue for him personally.
1: The size thing is always like I I think I overanalyze size too in a way like sometimes that will really throw me off a guy. Um, but I do agree with you if he can overcome that he could be good. That's why I'm that's why he's not in like that top six for me I think. And I think it's six. But are you trying to say there's more?
0: Oh, I mean I think Chase Brown, Sean Tucker, Kendre Miller, and Tajay Spears are all in that.
1: So that would be I also absolutely. like a top 10.
0: Yeah, there's like a top 10. And I also absolutely love Mo Ibrahim as a first and second down back.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's. I think one of these uh, shows coming up here is going to have to be just ranking like, running backs. Up, like, like ranking running backs, right? Because I think we can pretty easily clamor for like a year of the running back this year. I think that's like kind of undisputed. Um. So yeah, it'd be it'd be great to just kind of go through the top guys, see how many top guys there are to go through. I'm sure there's a lot that we can discuss as potentials.
0: Israel Israel Abanacanda from Pitt, great speed. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, great between the tackles. Yeah, I know Chris Evan Rodriguez. Hull. Yep. I mean, Evan Hall, like Northwestern. Who thinks of a Northwestern player coming out yeah. and actually being a potential NFL guy, like? Evan Hole playing running back for him. He was a solid running back. I mean, he's probably an NFL backup, but at the same time, we all know how valuable backups are in the NFL. So, mm-hmm.
1: oh, yeah. I mean, we saw it multiple times this season with uh, the guys that are, came out of nowhere as the backup. And, and I mean, that's kind of the game you play with RBs, man. The, it's great to get that workhorse guy, that reliable guy while you can get him. Um, but at the end of the day, there's always going to be that RB uh, that emerges throughout the season to to take spots and and just take over games
0: and, and I mean even Eric Grayson's and things at the Senior Bowl so showing okay. back of what people thought he was going to be at Tennessee um before he transferred so
1: all right um well yeah let's <laughs> we, we got a little bit off topic there let's, but let's uh,
0: let's actually let's actually start the
1: show let's realign yeah a little bit um but yeah I mean let's get a couple of your like hot reads beyond that i guess right at the end of the uh the news here but let's let's do a, just a little bit of super bowl preview um because it's super bowl time baby and uh your team is in it which i mean that's a great call by you i mean i think going back to uh last year in like july uh august you were you were saying this like you had the the hot read on the eagles at least winning the conference um but there w- winning the yeah. division i'll say winning the division but uh i mean even past that you were you were pretty you know even keeled with it but i think you had hopes that this would would be happening for you and and look look at you go there it is uh the the eagles are back in the super bowl um uh, taking on the chiefs who are back in the super bowl um i was just saying a little bit before you got here uh to no one in particular, just kind of musing to myself that, I mean, I don't want to get you too excited here. And granted, I've I've been wrong a lot about the playoffs uh, this year, but I think the Eagles can can win this game, man. I, I, I just think the difference maker has to be that defense because both are really high-powered offenses, and maybe you give the slight edge to Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes, but I, I think the Philly defense is just too good. I think that they're going to make enough trouble for Mahomes in that offense that Jalen Hurts is going to squeak out the win. Um, I, I think I'm predicting like tw- 28-24, something in, in that realm uh, with an Eagles victory there.
0: Okay. I mean, I don't think I'm going to go nearly as far as a score prediction right now, uh, but I absolutely love seeing the Eagles back in the Super Bowl. Uh, I love seeing the way that their defense has been playing. I love the fact that Jalen Hurts is, for all intents and purposes, considered a franchise quarterback now. I love the fact that their defense has been giving up so far in the games they've played. They've averaged giving up under 100 yards per game passing against that defense. Like, come on now. that That's pretty dang impressive. They're giving up the least amount of yards per game in the playoffs so far you go back to the regular season and their defense gave up the second least amount of yards per game. You go back to the the regular season and they were giving up the least amount of passing yards per game. I mean, you go to a a Kansas city team that Isaiah Pacheco is fine. He's fine. But Patrick Mahomes wins, wins the games for him. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're putting a strength of an offense against the strength of a defense and it's, it's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, right on that way of thinking for sure um it'll be a crazy game it'll be an awesome super bowl i was really hoping for whatever reason that the Bengals would make it back um maybe it's a little bit of like i feel like they deserve a second shot after going last year and kind of being underdogs to make it um i also just like joey b he's just he's just a cool guy out there so it's fun to see him go along with his uh, stud core of, of wide receivers and, and everyone else on that team. But just seeing them get shredded by by the Chiefs, it, it just seems obvious that Patrick Mahomes is such a difference maker um, as a QB, being the most important position in football. You know, it's a team effort, but that dude is just such a baller. It's, it's definitely between Mahomes and Burrow. Uh, it's kind of what Burrow said, where he was implying that his window is his whole career. It's it's the same with both guys in my mind. I'll reiterate because you weren't here for it, but I think it sort of puts to bed any of the concerns about Patrick Mahomes and no Tyreek Hill. It doesn't really seem like it matters what weapons he has. He's going to go out there and, and do his thing. So uh, yeah, should be a great game. Looking forward to it. Going to play some squares for sure. Probably not going to do anything else because I have bad luck betting Super Bowls. Uh, but yeah, I have good luck in squares though. Specifically, of course, because that's just like the random <laughs> total chance one. But last year, I uh, I think I spent like 20 and I, I won 100 something, 104. I was just killing it.
0: Crazy enough, in uh, 16 years of playing squares, I have not won squares once in the Super Bowl.
1: Whoa, that's crazy. So that's got to be your year. I mean, we can go with that or we can
0: go with I'm just cursed with squares. So yeah. Uh, One thing that I think that is really interesting to start thinking about is Patrick Mahomes' contract and his cap space hits have already been taken into account by the Chiefs, and they've already dealt with what that does to their teams. Josh Allen's cap hit comes this coming season. So what's that going to do to the Bills? Mm. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, both of them are going to get mega contracts. What's that going to do to those offenses? So we talk about the legacy of Mahomes. Mahomes is doing this with a larger cap hit than any of those other quarterbacks that we just named.
1: Mm, that's that's a great point, actually, that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. Um, and did it with wide receivers that, again, like no one really considered to be like equivalent replacements for losing a talent like Tyreek Hill. Um, they were all considered, or at least I think in the discussion of like, these guys can't be anything more than wide receiver twos, which in kind of, uh, in essence, they they were and didn't really need to be anything else this year. They kind of like switched places. And I like that it stands true what Patrick Mahomes even said before the season started, where he's like, you're going to hate these guys for fantasy. I, I don't remember the exact quote, but he basically alluded to, you're never going to know who the guy is week to week. And that's that's exactly what they did. And so like, and a lot of these guys are on like, you know, one year, two year contracts. So we'll see what goes on there in terms of like bringing in talent. and But nevertheless, I think your Patrick Mahomes stocks are as safe as can be for the next decade.
0: Yeah, I mean, if your league's around for a decade, then great for you. I mean, I know most leagues end up collapsing before even the fifth year, um, which is sad and horrible to think about. But
1: Well, you know what's crazy, speaking of that, is we'll be going into the fourth year of the original RPG leagues uh, this season, Um, so that's fun, and a lot of them are going to their third year, obviously, and some to their second, some to their first, Um, but yeah, I hope to keep on those leagues, you know, I don't want to dive too far into it, but I know I'm going to have to eventually find a limitation for these leagues, but $10 10 dollars dynasty leagues i just they're such a easy thing for me to manage um that i d- i just don't know when the limit's going to hit i'm i can ballpark maybe like 30 i think like if i hit 30 300 bucks like dedicated to rpg leagues you know that that would take some saving up a little bit for me but i can i could swing it certainly um managing the teams not so sure maybe i'd have to do a lot of like best ball um but uh That's, you know yeah uh the leagues that we do have i i plan on on keeping up with for as long as people want to play so um we'll see how long it goes do you know if there's a guinness world book like for longest dynasty league running no i have no clue like pen and paper ones like way back in the day you don't think there's any of those running anymore i mean there may be That'd be interesting. I'd be interested in doing like a some sort of journal or like a some sort of report on <laughs> my findings of the oldest running dynasty league.
0: Yeah, I think Eric and my home league that we had from way back when. I think we just ended up folding it this year, and it was ten, ten years in the league.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good long time. I'm not in any leagues that have lasted that long presently. Um, so yeah, and I don't think I. I mean, we'll see. I don't think I will be, but we'll see. Um, again, as long as people want to play, I will be uh, commissioning. As long as I am of this earth, although maybe I can figure it out if I'm a ghost. Maybe you never know. I can upload my consciousness to like sleeper AI.
0: <laughs> uh, Corey always thinking outside the box, you know. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, hey. So the the Twitterverse was uh, steaming after that Chiefs game. That Chiefs Bengals game, mm. did you feel that it was as heavily weighted towards the Chiefs as Twitter did? Oh, the penalties and the, the bad calls. Stuff.
1: No, I think that it was a little blown out. To be honest, like I, I saw some, I saw some bad calls. I watched like the grand majority of the game, besides a few, you know, snack and and potty breaks. But I, I watched the majority of the game. I saw most of the penalties that were referenced. Some of them were bad calls but I don't think it was anything like swayed too, too heavily. Um, I think the, the big one, I think that people are like keeping in their minds is that uh third down conversion that ended up being a do-over, which I get because it's like unprecedented. Like it doesn't, it doesn't tend to happen that that occurs, but, and look, I'm not like a ref defender or ref lover. Okay. Don't take it as that, but you watch the tape and the dude was running onto the field and like waving his arms from far away and it's a it's a loud stadium it's a really loud stadium so like yes they shouldn't have been allowed to do the full play I think that sucked that they like actually got to run the whole play but there was a dude trying to stop it and he just wasn't effective enough which is it's kind of its own concern but you know uh, to say that like that call lost the Bengals the game i think that's being a little dramatic i think the Bengals had plenty of opportunities to win that game and it was just like to me burrow played great he just didn't play well enough and that that sucks to say right like because he he played a good game but he just didn't play you have to play exceptionally well to beat mahomes
0: well, and it really sucked because Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa, both of them being out, like you yeah. could clearly see that the offensive line was hurting. Those are big
1: injuries. Those are huge injuries. Big.
0: big. Yep. Yeah, big injuries.
1: One of the reason why, what did they get, like seven sacks?
0: It was way too many. It was way too, way too many pressures, way too many sacks.
1: I think it was literally seven, which is insane. Like seven is a crazy number and I think it's accurate. I'm pretty sure it was seven.
0: Yeah, I mean, it almost reminds me of when the Titans played them last year, except yeah. Burrow pulled it out then. Um, and frankly, as somebody who lost almost a thousand dollars on that game uh, because the Bengals didn't win, uh, I should be furious about it. But frankly, the only call that I'm like absolutely livid about is the intentional grounding call. Mm. You're, you're going to call intentional grounding on Burrow when P Ryan was in the area, yeah. and you're not going to call it on Mahomes. Like that was the only call that I was like screaming to the rooftops about.
1: That was bad. Yeah. I think the other like overinflation was the, uh, wasn't it a roughing the passer on both of them where like one was called and one wasn't. I, I looking back, I felt at that time. Late hit? The late hit. Yes. The late hit. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I felt at that time that that was the correct call. Um, I haven't watched it since. So maybe I am incorrect. But when I watched the game, I was like, Okay. And then I saw all my friends like blowing up about how it was like a sucky call. And I'm like, I don't really see the deal here. Like, I, I get it in a sense, but it-, it seemed correct to me. Um, So yeah, no, I, I don't really, I'm not furious about <laughs> any of that. I don't, I certainly don't think and this is as a Hawks fan. I certainly don't think it was as bad as the officiating in the Hawks game with the Niners, because that was atrocious. And it it directly impacted like the Hawks doing better, which like, you know, that's, that's a Hawks fan saying that like the, the officiating was, was God awful. Like they made some calls that were just handed to the Seahawks that, that shouldn't have been. And honestly, man, I feel like it's kind of been a theme in the playoffs. Just, I don't know, maybe I felt the same way last year and I kind of now thinking about it, I kind of think I did of just like, I feel like the last couple of like playoff, officiating crews in general just aren't good. They just, they miss calls. And these are the games where they really can't be missing these calls.
0: Yeah. I mean, these are the games where they're under a microscope. um, So you would expect them to have the best crews out there. Obviously there's a human aspect to anything when it comes to this. So you got to understand that. I mean, these guys are human too. There's only so many of them out, out there, and there's a lot more players on the field. So it's not like you have a referee watching every single player.
1: So how do you feel about some sort of robot officiating like implementation into the NFL? Some sort of like digital, whether it's like lasers or whatever, like what are your thoughts on that? Yay or nay?
0: I think it depends what you implement them on. Mm -hmm. Like offsides and false starts sure that makes a lot of sense you can have a robot look at the data points you can have a robot look at points on players and see who Mm -hmm. moves um you can have the imaginary plane like they do in fifa like they do in soccer um so you have that technology to be able to do all of that stuff
1: like get get rid of the like chain gang and just like digitize it what do you you think about that i'm
0: fine i'm fine with that yeah
1: i think the only like thing you don't you can't really replicate is like dpi and like like pass interference and stuff, right? And maybe uh, holding seems also a little difficult. But... Yeah,
0: holding holding is pretty subjective. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be black and white, but it's pretty subjective.
1: And that makes sense too, just in terms of like angles and and like when things happen at game speed versus when they slow down in the replay. Like that can change things too. So I, I'm not here trying again. I'm not trying to say I love the refs or blast the refs, um, but you know, refs are refs. They, they, like you said, that that's a great point that I think a lot of people forget is they're human and they're going to make human error and mistake. Um, but anyway, uh, enough about talking about quarterbacks that have, uh, another decade left. Let's talk about a quarterback that has no decades left because Thomas Brady has officially retired from the NFL, which is just crazy. Who could have ever seen him retiring? Um, it's like I've just I've never been able to picture this happening before.
0: Well, wasn't wasn't it exactly one year ago that he retired last time around?
1: Yeah, I mean he's like, I'm not in the Super Bowl, so football's over. And he like clicks the switch off in his head. And he's like, Foot me football? No. Click off. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, no football. I retire. I'm done. And then, you know, come uh, Come September we'll see. Come August we'll see. Like, I mean the itch is gonna itch, man. Like I, I am I crazy like to think that this is like I'm I'm sniffing smoke. Like I don't know. I just don't I don't buy it. No, I
0: mean it's not a non-zero chance, like
1: Right. You know, I think uh, the there's, there's a it.
0: non-zero there's a non-zero percent chance yeah. that Brady plays next year. I mean, if you watch the speech, I mean he seems like he's not gonna play next year mm-hmm. um, but he's also a free agent like his contract's done so yeah. he's not tied to that so he can retire and come back and then sign with whoever he wants if he doesn't want to go through otas with a team if he doesn't want to go through minicamp with the team like he doesn't want to go through all of those things over the summer and he just wants to come in and the preseason and be like hey i'm here i'm coming for your team then he
1: has yeah. that ability yeah no I I do agree with that um I my maintained theory from after he unretired uh last year was always that he was going to have like a vindictive per like uh ex- like expression over the news getting out that he was gonna retire before he got a chance to say it himself um because dude, pro athletes do this. Tom Brady's Michael Jordan's they do this they get grudges and then they use that to fuel their like competitive fire Um, and I, I really think that that was a lot of what the Tom Brady thing was last year where he unretired is that he didn't get to do it on his terms and so he came for blood and then I think you know variety of reasons why it didn't work out for them this year I think one of them could be a little bit of he's 45 46 years old um, but a lot of it was also coaching and other issues. But um, look, I think that I I smell smoke. Like I said, I think it's a non-zero chance. Like you said, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, but there's a lot of like puzzle pieces on the table here that if you fit them the right way, it could turn out to be a picture of Tom Brady on some team like the 49ers and i want to get your your opinion on this because i'm not sure that i believe it necessarily i don't think that i do i think that the the chances here are looking very likely that tom brady is retired and done i think that's what it's looking like to me but the fact that he's already been linked to the niners the fact that the niners have this now very tumultuous seemingly QB issue of like do they know if Trey Lance is anything they i I don't know if they do still um although I still have hope for him um do they think Brock Purdy is in anything and even if they do he just sustained a, a pretty bad injury um so they have that to grapple with and i guess just bleeding in this piece of news that we have later um they've come out and said Jimmy G is most likely not going to be a part of the team Um, they came out and said that which is very telling um, to me at least so all that considered Tom Brady's ties to the 49ers is there also a non-zero chance that he is on the Niners next year
0: I mean I would think it would be single digits percentage chance does that mean zero does that mean zero? I, I don't I, I do I don't have know.
1: betting odds on this for you, and they're at plus one ninety for Tom Brady being on the Niners. If if a team that isn't the Bucks, those are the odds.
0: Can I bet? Can I bet? Can I bet on him to stay retired?
1: I don't think that's one of the selections that I saw. Uh, but I think it was the top two choices were stays on the bucks for even. And then plus one ninety for the Niners, and then it was like plus four twenty for the Raiders.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think he stays retired. I mean, okay. I, I think I think Lynch is gonna. I, conspiracy theory here. So I think Winch was the one that wanted Trey Lance, and Shanahan didn't really want Trey Lance, and I think winch is going to come in and basically tell shanahan he's your quarterback we need to see what we have we gave up all of this draft capital for him you need to start him
1: yeah i i agree with you that that is the most likely scenario but wanted to discuss it because it's something that i've been seeing a lot especially on reddit um like in dynasty ff and stuff there's just a lot of you know obviously not uh verifiable but a lot of buzz around that subject so
0: well since we're talking about Brady then real quick what would you give Brady away for like what would you need in return to trade somebody Brady right now and what would you trade for Brady right now
1: oh um with the chances being so low in my opinion of him coming out of retirement again because again just saying that seems so troll for him to retire twice and come out of retirement twice, I just don't see that as being very likely. So like I I wouldn't throw much at him. Like I would I would throw a maybe a fourth or some like negligible pick for him uh, if anyone wanted that. And then yeah, I mean I'm not gonna probably sell him for much if someone wants to come take him. If if I can squeeze a third out of a Brady believer. I'm I'm running to the bank, um, but otherwise, probably just rots on my roster until I have to eventually drop him.
0: That's really funny. The those were the exact two two things that I was thinking because I I wanted to say a mid third is what I want for him, mm. and I would buy him for an early fourth at the absolute most.
1: Okay, and just to reference this back to RPG because we were talking about it earlier, I was trying to fill a league that I think he literally woke up to the news that Brady had retired and his QVs are abysmal and he has Tom Brady and Matt Stafford and pretty much nothing else. Woke up, saw Tom Brady was out, left the league. <laughs> no warning, no notice. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, he has the 106 and 109. So not, it wasn't necessarily difficult to replace him um, because people see those first and they're like, Oh yeah, give me that team. And also, there's just a bunch of cool guys in the RPG leagues that are cool with taking on projects. But uh
0: well, and the rest of that team wasn't horrible either. I mean, it, yeah, it has yeah. some good bones at the other positions. It's just there's nobody you feel comfortable with at quarterback. Yeah, definitely and the, true. the the sixth and the sixth and the ninth, if you stay put at both of those picks, they will not be getting you a starting quarterback.
1: I feel like team uh the fix thirteen um hopefully he's not listening here but i'd be i'd be playing for 24 my man trying to like i think people are going to overpay for that 106 109 if you could flip it at a deal for some some 24 first and uh try to get yourself a, a quarterback in that class i think that's a, a decent move for you because the rest of your roster is aging in like a certain sense still relatively young but your rbs are naji harris and josh jacobs so you really want to address your quarterback like sooner than later. You can maybe flip one of those guys, but I would prefer to maybe keep those guys so you're like cornerstone RBs that still have a couple good years, um, and try to just get your 106 and 109 and convert those into uh 24 firsts.
0: Or trade Josh Jacobs to Corey because he loves Josh Jacobs because he got him to a bunch of fantasy playoff runs.
1: <laughs> I do love Josh Jacobs, yeah. Um, if only like I was actually not on Josh Jacobs, like really at all. He wasn't a guy I was drafting or clamoring for. I was never like super in. I thought like Alabama RB overpriced, n- not not for me necessarily. Um, but I've I've recently acquired a lot of Josh Jacobs because I think a lot of people were just like, This guy's whatever. And I'm like, I mean, he's still an RB one. Like, I'll I'll write him as an RB one. Um, and and paid off for me this year, yeah, in in a lot of leagues, uh, won me won me Rogues League, like literally, I think Josh Jacobs and a little bit of a sprinkle of Brock Purdy magic where I busted the rest of my fab on him when he became a thing. Uh, I think that was really the magic that won me the Rogues League, which is kind of crazy to say. Yeah, fantasy, man. Anyway, moving along to a bigger subject, we had some coach, <laughs> we had some coach mix-ups here, which is pretty exciting uh, for some of these. Um, I think the main ones in terms of head coach. I don't know if you want to dive deep into like DCOC mix-ups, which we totally can. I'm just I have less of a beat on it. But the the big three here um is uh Demeco Ryan's goes to the Texans as the head coach on a six year contract, which coach contracts those can always end. It seems like with uh, Cliff Kingsbury being one of the prime examples in recent times. But he was the uh, DC for the Niners. Um, who obviously have a solid group, uh, goes to the Texans, who needed a guy. Uh, Frank Reich lands as the HC of the Panthers, which is interesting and has some fun implications. And then the big one, the highlight reel here, Sean Payton, uh, the Broncos trade for him from the Saints to acquire Sean Payton uh, to be the Broncos' new head coach. So uh, some, some pretty exciting ones. I guess uh, let's just go in order here. How do you feel about Demeco Ryans to the Texans?
0: Yeah, Domeko um, goes home. I kind of feel bad for him because that offense is atrocious. That, that defense is ascending. Uh, it's a very good pass defense. Uh, I think it is going to stay a very solid pass defense uh, as they continue to go on through. Uh, the defensive line needs a lot of help. Uh, teams were running just the ball straight through them this year. Um, so the defensive line definitely needs some help. Uh, goes with my conspiracy theory that they're going to take some defensive linemen instead of a quarterback. We'll see. Um, they desperately do need a quarterback. Um, but I also don't think that that offense is anything at all. Um, running Cooks is is looking kind of cooked uh where Tunsell is uh in his last year of his contract so he's looking for something something big he wants to be paid as the highest paid left tackle in the league so they're they're got their work cut out for him on offense um so it'll be interesting to see
1: yeah i mean it'll definitely i think i'm right there with you it'll be interesting to see is kind of where i'm at um the texans obviously have issues they need to address the biggest one being the qb i kind of agree with you in terms of like there's some there's some quality defensive uh linemen to take right at the top there that man if i were in their shoes it'd be hard to uh to let them go by um especially with the qb class being like good and and like good enough and fine but maybe there's a certain strategy in waiting until next year when there's some other guys and like, get, get your kind of defense short up when you know you're going to have a high first anyway and get some like, you know, maybe better QB prospects uh, in exchange might be, might be some, some way of thinking about it. Um, But barring that I'm like, he's got six years. If they stick to that, which like, Again, it's proven that they don't, I guess, have to. Um, But I hope he gets his shot because, you know, if anything, with what he did on the Niners, I mean, obviously they have a lot of talent there, but he was the DC and they performed very well. So it'll be interesting to see the Texans kind of like go back to a more fearsome defensive unit from like in JJ Watts heyday, uh, for instance, so um we will see kind of what what unfolds there uh next up would be frank reich to the panthers which i'm kind of uh i guess underwhelmed might be the word for it i just maybe not underwhelmed i'm just not whelmed um this hasn't whelmed me uh i (laughs) i just don't know if i think this is gonna make i think the panthers are uh, actually like an okay football team um, I think their defense is good. I think I've said it before. I think what they did with the running game was impressive given what they have there. Um, but they just don't look like to me like a complete football team and Frank Reich going there after the whole Colts thing, I don't think he's going to have the longest leash. And so if they don't like get things together really quick and get a QB under helm that can actually elevate that team, um, which I think is their glaring issue. Um, I would I would put it squarely on the QB. I think if they turn that around and get some O-line, they're in decent shape. But uh, yeah, I, I what do you think about the Frank Reich hire?
0: Yeah, I mean, if they're going to get a quarterback this draft cycle, uh, I think that it's a good hire. Frank Reich, uh, previous QB coach, previous offensive coordinator, previous head coach. So he has head coaching experience. It's not his first time. Um, Carolina has a good defense. I think I've been quoted 20 times by now saying Carolina has a playoff defense. Um, and I very much do think Carolina has a playoff defense. Uh, their offensive line is ascending. Uh, it's getting better. They still have um, DJ Moore. So they still have a number one wide receiver in there. They have some hope, I guess, in Terrence Marshall uh, potentially becoming something of a usable wide receiver.
1: Yeah, he had some flashes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, running back they've just kind of been figuring it out. Um so I would love to see them trade up. Um or potentially Frank Reich being a quarterback coach, maybe he falls in love with Anthony Richardson and all of a sudden they just stay put and take a rich at 9. Which by a lot of people would they would say that that's a stretch. and that's a reach, but if Reich thinks that he can get the best out of a Rich, I mean, heck, if he can develop a Rich a little bit as a passer, I mean, that's another great, great time right there. Looking for fun yeah. games to watch.
1: One thing they could end up strategizing for is maybe trading back a few spots, thinking that they can grab Richardson at like, you know, 14, I think is like a decent spot to maybe trade back from if they can acquire a little bit more capital because they... I still think they need depth, too, is is one of their uh, kind of failings right now. But, um, yeah, it, again, another thing that'll be... It'll just be interesting to see is kind of all we can say about it at the moment.
0: Yeah, I don't know about 14 because that puts the Titans and the Jets in front of them, which, realistically, both of them could mm. take a quarterback. So...
1: Ooh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's that's not a bad point. I The Titans... The Titans could. I still think my wavelength is is they're gonna stick with Tannehill, but the Jets, the Jets and Anthony Richardson, I had never considered that, but that is that is intriguing. Cause that's a lot of talent to surround him with and the defense can win games for him. Um, he'd be raw and I still don't know if they can throw him out there necessarily, but they could and it might it could work. That's interesting. I hmm. All right. Well, that's that's food for thought.
0: I just try and make you think a little bit, Corey. What can I say?
1: You do a great job at it. You definitely come in here making me think, um, uh, but in a good way, you know, thinking about the good stuff. Uh, but let's let's get to the highlight. The the big uh, the big show reel here, um, because it's got to be along with the trade and what was given up for him. Um, Sean Payton, to the Broncos uh, biggest out of this three, I think, undisputed. But, you know, it's it's interesting, man. The Broncos spend a first rounder to get him and I think a second rounder uh, next year. So expensive. Um, But we knew it was going to be expensive. The Saints were throwing around like two firsts, which was always, you know, <laughs> a bunch of nonsense. But getting a first and second, that's that's pretty good return for a court, uh, coach that likely was never going to coach for your team again um so good on them and bad on the Broncos just in my opinion in terms of their capital for the foreseeable future is is in dire jeopardy you know for me it's hard to dissociate uh me not being able to like Russ and me not liking the Broncos as as the same emotion um because i i understand it i really do but i'm i'm pretty critical about their whole philosophy here of I don't know if it had to do a lot with the change of ownership but that did happen and then they brought in Russ for multiple firsts and a a crap ton of capital and then that ended up working out abysmally like not not bad certainly not fine but abysmally giving the Hawks a top five draft pick this year thank you very much And then we we see them the very next year trade a crap ton of capital for a coach to come in and fix the whole problem, put a bandaid over it. Like, I guess I need you to talk me out of my obvious bias here of I think this doesn't fix the Broncos and I think they just put themselves in much more jeopardy for the future. But I want to know what your opinion is.
0: I would bank on the fact that Broncos ownership and Broncos leadership is probably looking at this going, if we can just have a middle of the line offense, we're a playoff team. I mean, the, the defense for the Broncos is an elite defense. I mean, it's probably a top five defense in the league. And when you look at it, top to bottom, if they retain everybody on that defense, then they get your bowls back healthy for next season You have another year of chemistry with Sutton and another year of chemistry with Judy. You have an offseason where Sean Payton can install an offense. I mean, if Sean Payton can get them to 24, 25 points a game, I mean, they're at least a 500 team, which should give you some kind of semblance of a shot at the playoffs. So I think that would be my argument.
1: Okay. And if they get to the playoffs, I I guess we can have the, the argument that that is worth it um to me the kind of capital that they've given up to get these two guys which again two most important positions in football basically is the the coach and the quarterback you know that can maybe be a little bit debated but i think that's that's that would be what i say but i just if it doesn't work out which there's a chance there right there's a chance there that it doesn't work out that's catastrophic failure and if it doesn't lead to a super bowl in the next two to three years that sucks but if they get to the playoffs fine but if they have a mediocre season I think that's even worse than if it's somehow worse than last year which it it probably won't be right you add Sean Payton you're gonna assume that it's gonna be better than Nathaniel Hackett (laughs) at the helm but if it's mediocre they're kind of in a worse position almost if they still had their first and second, which they don't. So I guess it doesn't matter. They're kind of in a worse position either way. So they're basically playoffs are bust here. And in a certain sense, they really want to get a Super Bowl in the next two to three, or their future is just, it's kind of a wasteland.
0: You know, it, it almost reminds me of 2022, when you saw the Saints push their chips in just recklessly giving up their first to the Eagles for this year and their second to the Eagles next year to make a trade to go on up and go grab guys they wanted. I mean, they're, they're doubling down. They're, they're placing their chips in the center. They're saying, here we go. We're pushing this all in and we're going to see how it plays out. They're either going to wash out or they're going to have a fan base that was very upset this year, had very high expectations for the team this year, and got absolutely let down. I mean, it it seems like the ownership is trying to do whatever they can to save their fan base from getting super frustrated and leaving and becoming more fair-weather fans. Because Denver fans are pretty hardcore. Um, so,
1: and there's the logic behind now I can like really see the inner workings of your logic behind the Sean Payton to the Broncos is, is knowing all of those facts. It seems so much more likely for him to go there because they're desperate. They need, they need to inject some sort of life into that fan base. Cause dude, I, I've watched a a lot of football (laughs) throughout my life. I've really never seen that many games at home for a team that got booed on offense that often. And that loudly, I really can't think of another team. Like I really can't, it was, it was really shocking to see, especially like three or four games into the season when it happened to, to for the first time, like so early on at home, it was, it was just wild. So Yeah. Agree with you. Those fans are intense, um and it totally makes sense, especially knowing how desperate the ownership might be to save face now, um, with the huge, huge moves they've already made. So yeah, another one. I, it's tough to say for all three of these situations that it's it's really just we'll see what happens. But it is. I mean, it is. It is February first. We just that's all we can do. That's all we can say is we we will see what happens. Anything can happen in the NFL. Um, we had Jeff Saturday winning games last year. So who the hell knows, but in any way, uh, uh, moving along here, uh, unless you want to go over any, um, like senior stuff? Do you want to maybe wait and do that next time? All right, let's, let's skip that. All right. So I put together and another fun little game that we can play and I'll explain a little bit of the rules so that you sort of understand my thought process behind this, but I thought it was kind of fun, especially kind of tying in the newest RPG league uh, to sort of join the, uh, the family here, the RPG dwarves league, which is being run by at dad bod God Um, dwarf themed. Obviously it's based off his, I don't know if it's necessarily his concept, but he introduced a concept to me of a stack league where you're basically drafting and taking a guy from the same team with the same draft pick. It's, it's a really fun league. I do terribly at them. I think two years in a row, I finished like eighth and 10th. So I got worse the second year. Um, So I'm abysmal at it, but it's a lot of fun. Like it's a really like interesting, fun way to do it. So we're, we're doing the RPG dwarves league, which is a dynasty league doing the stack draft rules. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, We've, we've worked out a way to make it fair enough uh, fair as it can be with like kind of how it works, including like a separate rookie draft, but yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about it, but keeping in with that theme, I've got a, uh, a segment here called dynasty gem or fool's gold. And so basically I've compiled the list of guys here. I'm sure there's guys that I missed or maybe guys that shouldn't be on here. I sort of just cobbled them together with uh, names that basically fit a couple of key descriptors here. Um, One, they are young enough to be like, they're, they're young relatively to still be in the conversation of whether or not they are a dynasty gem, which I am saying is a guy that you love to have on your roster that you think will be good for the next couple of years, at least. um, And that maybe but not necessarily but maybe you picked up at an extraordinary value kind of like a diamond in the rough um and then we have fool's gold which is a guy that either had hype or uh kind of a guy that looks like a good value or looked like a good value looked like a good player um but ended up letting you down or you think could let you down in the future that other people are seeing as kind of this gold in the uh in the mine does that kind of make sense yeah
0: yeah fool's Fools gold kind of kind of what i'm getting out of fool's gold is guys that i kind of think that their values kind of peaked and it's not going to get any higher
1: yeah i like yeah that's a that's a good simple way of putting it so i think that from this list we can just pick guys that you're interested in talking about and if there's anyone not on this list um feel free to include them um, but I have some guys on here. Obviously, it's a big list. Don't have to do them all. Um, but I think there's definitely some guys on here to talk about. Um, if you'd like to get started, more than happy to to let you lead. Otherwise, I, I do have a guy in mind. Go ahead. Take your guy. Okay, so look, I want to talk a little bit. I'm going to lead this off on um, sort of a triumphant note and then descend into uh, – what i think this guy is um i was sounding the horn on isaiah pacheco early last season and it came with a couple of reasons uh, he has he has an athletic profile that's very attractive um obviously he lands to the chiefs as a 7th round pick a lot of people are like meh that's not good draft capital he has guys in front of him that won't let him see the light of day i say I think the athletic profile will shine through and that CEH is not a good NFL running back and that that job is open for business. Uh, What ends up happening? He gets a lot of the load. Jarek McKinnon comes in, also takes a good amount of load. Also a guy with a very good athletic profile, by the way, um, but 30 years old. So who knows how long he stays with the Chiefs. I do think he stays with the Chiefs for another year or two. Um, He's a good fit there. But Isaiah Pacheco came out as this guy that you're grabbing as a fourth rounder, fifth rounder, and turned into a guy that you could flex and and maybe start as an RB2 if you're very needy uh, in later games in the season, um, which was exciting for a guy taken that late with very little hype um, besides the the camp buzz that was kind of going around on him. All of that being said, do I think he's a dynasty gem? He meets a lot of the criteria. He's young. You found him for dirt cheap. He's on an electric offense. He has a good profile. But I'm going to actually put Isaiah Pacheco in fool's gold. And I think there's a couple reasons why. And it pains me to say it, having as much Isaiah Pacheco as I have. But I think Isaiah Pacheco is one of the hottest cells in Dynasty right now with what he did and what he's attached to. The Chiefs are still going to bring in CEH and have him play. When he is healthy next year, he will play, period. I don't know what the role will be. I don't know how often it will be, but he will play. I also said, and I still believe that Jarek McKinnon will get his snaps. He looked good. He has kind of little wear and tear because he was injured a lot uh, throughout his career, and he's a good fit there. Isaiah Pacheco is okay. He's He has great speed and burst and can really like funnel through the holes. I just don't know if he has the longevity or if the Chiefs want to even use him as a workhorse back. And knowing that, I think that if you can sell him for a late first, you need to do that. <laughs> you need to do that right now. A, a 109, I think, is is what I would take for him and not look twice. Just Just give me something in the early-late kind of situation in the first and just let's just let's just sell him away because the value on him in my mind has to be peak right now what do you think
0: i think you can go off of the fact that he's a kc running back and be able to get something for him do i really think that you can get a first rounder for him i mean i'd be pretty surprised if you could um i haven't seen any of those deals. I'm sure they're floating around in the ether. Um, but I haven't seen
1: any of them. Anecdotally, I have made one. Um, but that was I think it was like week thirteen, and it was selling him to a playoff team. Um, off my not playoff worthy, and I got uh, I got the one ten ended up being. I thought it was gonna be a little earlier than that, but I'm I'm fine with it. So that did happen to me at least, but I, I do understand like there's going to be other sharps out there that kind of see the writing on the wall. Like I think we're both kind of seeing where, I mean, James Robinson might be a great example of like the way a late drafted or undrafted running back can go. Um, It's an easily, it's an easily cyclable position, um, especially on a team like the chiefs that like to use multiple hands. I just don't think, I think there's some perception out there that he's going to do better next year and maybe he will, but I don't think it'll be as well as people might think he'll do. He's not going to be the workhorse running back for the Kansas city chiefs. I just don't think that's ever going to be a possibility for him. Um, So if you can find people that have that perspective, I think he's a sell. Okay.
0: Yeah. I I think, I think that's valid. Um totally agree. I mean, these teams move off the of running backs very easily. I mean, heck, look at Philip Lindsay, Lindsay when he was in Denver. I mean, we have a guy that's an undrafted, undrafted free agent who puts up back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, and then he's done in Denver.
1: It's it's extremely volatile. Um, that's, that's my call on that, and uh, you are free to pick your player next.
0: Yeah, so the player I'm going to go with is actually James Cook. And I think he's a dynasty gem.
1: Ooh, okay. All right.
0: So I'm going to put him in. Uh, Devin Singletary is on an expiring contract. His contract is expired. Um, so as long as they don't draft a running back, I feel a uh, running back high. I should I should quantify that. As long as they don't draft a day one or day two running back, I feel pretty good about James Cook. Um, you look at him and his yards per carry this year. Um, He was averaging over five and a half yards per carry um, in the games that he had double-digit carries. I mean, you look at it, and he was RB25, RB15, RB10 uh, in PPR formats. And he didn't even really get much receiving work this year. Um, He's probably not going to be a touchdown guy, so it's probably going to cap his ceiling. You're probably looking at a guy that's more of a RB2 consistent rv2 i would think uh, next season if he can be able to get double digit carries and for his price right now i mean i'm fine doing that i mean i think he's going like rv 26 25 right now in most most startups um at least from the couple that i've seen i wish i would seen more i keep asking people hey get in startups so i can just see what people are doing I don't want to pay for leagues right now, but I just want to see what they're doing.
1: Well, funny you mentioned that, and I I don't know if it'll help you much because it's a weird league. It's an RPG league, so you have to kind of expect that. It's specifically an all-flex league, but the RPG Bards League is going to be drafting, I think, pretty soon here. Okay. So that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really excited to see, like, obviously very early, but also it's like, I think it's seven flex spots and two super flex spots is the lineup. So I'm interested. I had to do a lot of uh tight end point adjustments to like make them even worthy of drafting. Um, But I added some like pretty significant bonuses there to like make them intriguing. So I'm excited to see how it all turns out. I think I, I think it's tight end. Uh, I think it's tight end premium plus two. And then they get a half a point for first downs and they get, I think like, bonus points for yards over like like a 20 yard reception or more they get like uh ladder bonus points for that so hopefully it makes them a little more intriguing but anyway i should have some data for you is is the point pretty soon here uh but okay yeah that's very interesting i was actually talking about james cook today earlier in uh, rpg wizards um just happened to get on that topic and there's definitely some like um, very strong opinions in both directions. Of like, people were saying, you know, the bills have trouble running, and James Cook isn't built like a workhorse. Uh, and then there were people saying, like, Devin Singletary's contract is is expiring, and he could easily like take the full workload or at least like earn half the share, maybe with like a, um, you know, I don't want to say a Nick Chubb cream hunt situation because that wasn't very, that wasn't as much of like. A split this year but like in prior years um that i guess would be the a nice prime example of that kind of uh uh backfield share but anyway in my opinion uh james cook i think he's got a great skill set um especially passing down work i think that's always been his niche um i think the bills could come out there and draft someone I still think James Cook could retain his passing down role theoretically. And if he does from Josh Allen, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with him being a dynasty gem. I think that especially because you didn't have to necessarily pay for him like last year with like a first, he was more like going in like the early second, I feel like mid second, maybe if you could swing him there. But um, I think with that sort of cost to him, you're pretty happy to have him as like your, RB2 slash like flex guy uh going into next year. So I think that's a good call. Um who do I want to go with here? This is interesting. Um you know what? I'll talk about a guy on a team that I have been honest about that I don't care much for uh with the Denver Broncos. And I'll talk about Greg Dulcich as a tight end to throw in here because the tight end's got to get a little love too. I know we want to talk about the running backs and the wide receivers, but the tight ends got to get a little, little little bit of love. And I'm going to throw Greg Dulcich in here because I think he's an interesting case: rookie tight end coming out and producing like he does. It doesn't happen very often. If you don't have a crazy record-breaking athletic profile like Kyle Pitts, it usually doesn't happen. It takes you a few years to uh, acclimate to the position. And Greg Dulcich ended up sort of breaking that mold, and even in a failing. Denver Broncos offense with a broken Russ at the helm he managed to be sort of relevant down the stretch he put up some games where if you were desperate if you dealt with one of the big tight end injuries or uh, in my case I dealt with a fair amount of Mark Andrews not producing especially after Lamar Jackson got hurt um, I was able to slot Greg Dulcich in there and and win some games because he put up the 10 points that I needed uh, him to do so look I grabbed him in a lot of leagues last year kind of like with I uh with Isaiah Pacheco I grabbed him with like a fourth fifth round pick in in a lot of leagues as just a throw uh to see if if I could land a guy and in in that sense he paid dividends and I think for me that is kind of what squarely puts him in a dynasty gem for me as a guy that I don't know if he's going to necessarily be a top you know sixth tight end um, I don't think I would claim that, but I think he could be a long running tight end one, a back end tight end one that you can slot in and can get you points, especially with an offense that much to my chagrin to admit it, he will probably be ascending with Sean Payton and Russ having another year um at the helm there with not Nathaniel Hackett. Um, will probably be a better offense. And if it's a better offense where Greg Dulcich can can take the helm there. Um, kind of put to bed the the uh, hotness of Albert O being relevant because he didn't look relevant. Um, if Greg Dulcich can come in there, be the guy, I think that he's a guy that you're excited to have on your roster going into next season with how cheap you got him. So diamond in the rough, Greg Dulcich, put him on board.
0: I like it. I think it'll be really interesting to see Sean Payton and which way it ends up going. Are you going to get Adam Troutman, where you get zero production out of your tight end? Or are you going to get Jimmy Graham, and you get a bunch of production out of your tight end? Uh, Tight end gets (laughs) hyper-targeted.
1: Are you going to get Jared Cook and get middling production out of your tight end? Or are you
0: going to get middling production? I mean, Sean Payton's produced all types of different tight ends. Um, Frankly, I haven't looked much at tight end usage from Russ. I mean, it feels like when he was in Seattle, he just kind of spread it around to like three different, four different tight ends all the time. Yeah.
1: A a lot of the Seattle scheme is just, it's just utilizing multiple tight ends. That's just a lot of what we do. Um, When Jimmy Graham did come to town just to tie his name back into this, uh, when he came to town, he had a decent season with Russ. Um, I think I'm misquoting this, but I I have to think back. I, I think he like tied or came close to the TD reception leader for uh tight ends that year that he was with the seahawks um i might be totally off base on there but i remember something about that but it also has just been inconsistent like you said i mean if they have multiple tight ends like they did in seattle it would probably be more clear to me that they're going to spread the wealth a little bit but it really did look like greg was the dude um last year he was he was Very reliable. He had one game where I think he was like seven for ten and like 81 in a TD, where that was like, whoa, okay, he could he can take over games. Like that's within his skill set. So um I like him, especially if you have tight end premium, which a lot of the RPG leagues are are obviously. He's a young rookie breakout tight end. And if you have him, you're happy. If you want to go get him, um probably wouldn't pay more than like a late second in like a tight end friendly league um I think that's probably what you have to pay with like kind of all the buzz and news and stuff I don't really know if he's a buy per se I think he's more of a you're happy you have him and kind of leave it there
0: would you say that Greg Dolchich was the most valuable or is currently the most valuable tight end from last year's class
1: um well that's that's interesting because i do have another tight end on here in last year's class do i think he's more valuable than that guy um yeah i think it's i think it's close but i think i think yes i think i would take him over the other guy
0: i think i would agree okay so the guy that i'm gonna go with as fool's gold is actually Ramondre stevenson
1: ah, i love that one that that would have been my call too yeah, I love that one.
0: Okay, so I mean, a lot of people are out here absolutely loving honor, Andre Stevenson.
1: Can I, can I give you this? I just checked before the pod. Keep trade cut. He is RB twelve. Yeah,
0: so right there tells. He's RB I mean,
1: twelve, Evan, being
0: being valued as a, a RB one in in twelve team formats, and it's like, look, I'm not going to convince myself that they're are only 11 running backs that I would want more. Like even with getting older, I'm still going to want Nick Chubb more. Uh, Even with the injury, I'm going to want Tony Pollard more. I still like how explosive he was this year.
1: I think even with the suspension looming, I probably take Alvin Kamara.
0: Probably take Alvin Kamara. Yep. Give me Damian Pierce over him. Yeah. Take that. Like, I just think he was very much propped up this year by the 88 targets that he received.
1: Mm -hmm. And I
0: think that was
1: huge. Desperation targets, like, like literally (laughs) desperation targets.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't foresee him having that kind of target share again from the running back position. I mean, you look at what new England has done for ever really is they have a a grinder running back that's going to be that first and second down guy and that short yardage back, and then they have a receiving back. I mean, it's just how they operate. Typically, they have a second guy that's a grinding running back as well. Um, So with all that said, you started to see some of the wear and tear at the end of the season. Uh, You started to see reduction in carries. You started to see some injuries. You started seeing pull off the field, uh, getting less of a snap share. Uh, than he was getting in really the heart of the season when Damian Harris was there uh, and hurt. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think Damian Harris is is expired. His contract's expired. Um, But, I mean, I I have a very hard time. I mean, people are out here saying that they want to wait first for Ramondre Stevenson. Like, that's absolutely crazy to me. Like, you have to be off your rocker. To tell me that you want two firsts for Ramon J. Stevenson, even if it's two weights, You could tell me 111 and 112, and I'm still going to tell you you're off your rocker.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, He seems like such a... He seems like, for me, he was like the case for Fool's Gold. I was like, this is a guy that people are viewing as, granted, the very back of the RB1 uh, ranking but an RB1 like this a new when have we gotten in trouble before viewing a New England Patriots running back as an RB1 Um, I think maybe a dozen times over this is not how it works guys I know he has these fantastic highlight plays of like he's like a short stout like almost like Derrick Henry play style of he's throwing guys around and running through guys. He's power running and stuff, but he's not that guy guys. He's not going to sustain. Um, that's my opinion. At least I think it's going to be really hard for him to sustain that kind of play style. And second to that, and maybe more importantly, actually is the fact that that's just not what new England does. Um, his receptions were just insanity this season, uh, just not sustainable. It's, it's due for aggression. He's not going to get seven targets a game. That's that's nonsense. Um, I think this was a failing offense with a failing offensive coordinator that should be a defensive coordinator because that's what he is. And that, that, all he had was these checkdowns to Ramondre Stevenson that worked because no one was expecting them. Um, once that gets figured out, that's that's a thing of the past. Um, and yeah, I think. It, you really can see the perspective of you found this guy in your draft in your rookie draft as a good value for what he returned to you this year. Like he, he did okay. You could slot him in there. He had great games. He won you some weeks, but he's another guy just like Isaiah Pacheco to me, where you drafted him late. If you can swap the third that you got him for, for a first, a late first, You are, you've done an excellent job. That's a great return. Um, but with what he's being ranked at as like by the community as an RB1 already, there's just, I mean, no better time, I think, to just sell this dude and get as much as you can for him. Because if you can get multiple firsts, you go get multiple firsts. Although I agree with you, Evan, you'd be off your rocker to suggest that's what he's worth um so yeah no i i love it that's the reason why i put him on here is because i think it's an inter- interesting discussion based on what i'm seeing him being ranked as but in my mind he's nowhere near that kind of cost so i think he's he's prime fool's gold i like that pick um okay so time time for me to pick them can do as we can do as many of these as you want you just let me know like when you're <laughs> when you're satisfied uh but yeah I mean looking at these um yeah I think there's I think there's interesting to, discussion to be had uh here because this is a guy to me that um he's had a kind of tumultuous career um he was on a a pretty bad team uh and still showed out uh albeit there's a lot of garbage time points being had there um and now he i'll admit he's one of the older guys on this list so again another reason to sort of not see the value in him but i think if you had a startup where you took him it was very 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 late and that made you happy or if he's a guy that you've just held on to through all the stuff all the change up with him i think you're happy with where he is now on the jacksonville jaguars and that is dj chark who i believe is a dynasty gem i think i really do that dj chark might get a bag this year and stay with the lions on an ascending offense that needs a guy they have a Jamison Will- Williams, and I think Jameson Williams is good. And I think that this year was nothing to hold against him. I still think he has a good shot at being a fantastic stretch running, just go up and go get it, like use his speed to just separate kind of guy. I love that. DJ Chark fulfills a different role for me. I think he could truly be the Lions X receiver. And I think there is an opening for that with Amon Ra funneling into more of like a slot sort of role where I think that kind of suits him best anyway. I think DJ Chark could be that other guy. And knowing what I know about that offensive line and how much time, uh, whoever is behind the line, but right now it's Jared Goff, uh, how much time they get to throw, I think DJ Chark could be in for a really nice career on the Lions. And so, especially with where you got him in startups, which I again, is very, very late. Or if you were sort of dealing with the fact that he had a good year with the Jaguars, then got hurt, and then you couldn't really move him, so you still have him, I think you're happy with where he is right now as a very decent, go up and get it, flex slot guy. Um, He's got a great athletic profile. Uh, He is reaching the prime of his like apex years of his age. Um, and I think you're gonna be happy with DJ Shark on your roster for the next two to three years. So DJ Shark on the list.
0: So I'm gonna go with a player that most are probably gonna say is Fool's Gold at this point because he's fallen off. Uh I'm gonna go with Najee Harris with a dynasty gem. Nice. All right. So okay. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the fact that in that offense last year, he was number one in the league for running back targets. This past season, he was 18th in the league in targets. All right, that's a sizable drop-off. And when you look at the amount of receptions that he had, he went from 74 down to 41. So a lot of that has to do with, one, Big Ben and his noodle arm previously. Uh, Two, has to do with the fact that Now you have two new quarterbacks in there. You're changing quarterbacks mid-season. You have a rookie in there. You have a bunch of skill position players around them. So they all have to get distributed too. But the thing that I think people are forgetting about is that Najee played most of the season with a Liz Frank injury, given it was a very minor Liz Frank injury, but still he played most of the season with it. Um. You look at the amount of attempts that he had, and this past season he was fifth in running back attempts, whereas I think he was first last season, if I'm not mistaken, second second in carries uh, yeah. last season. So you're seeing him get the carries. You're seeing the offense use him. Um, his snap share was significantly down this year, which I think also part of that is the Steelers realizing that he wasn't 100% this year. And the Steelers giving him a little bit more of a rest. You know, he went from a almost 85% snap share in 2021 down to a 65% snap share this season.
1: It kind of makes sense if you think about it, like with the way the team is, like they knew with the rookie quarterback and Kenny Pickett and like the Mitch Trubisky and like not, they knew what the season was, I think. And there's really no reason to like ride Najee Into like dangerous territory,
0: which once again in in, in includes the the fact that I was about to bring up is the fact that Najee's on a rookie contract. All right, he's going into year three of that rookie contract. He's probably going to go into year four of that rookie contract. The Steelers, knowing the Steelers are probably going to pick up that fifth year option on him, and then they're going to let him walk. They're probably going to pay him for a fifth year option because he was a first round running back that was taken and after that I mean what's to stop him over the next three years the third fourth and fifth year of his contract um just absolutely just seeing how much they can get out of Najee the offensive line should be getting better the offensive line did progress as the season went on so I think that's a very important thing to note you saw progression from Kenny Pickett so hopefully it'll be able to hold defenses back a little bit they're not going to be crashing down for the run so I think all of that plays into the fact that I think Najee is going way too low right now I mean heck I'm seeing Najee get moved for single first round picks like we're talking 106 107 and to me that's well worth a buy of a running back that could easily get back and you could very clearly see a path back to being a top seven running back like look at this last last season, I mean going into last season, he was the r b two r b three for most people. you're gonna tell me that he can't regain that yeah, okay. he's a year he's a year older. all right so you have that working against him. yeah, he was an old running back coming out, okay you have all of that working against him, but realistically he's gonna be twenty five like we're talking about the twenty five year old running back who's going to be 26 the following season and then 27 in his fifth year. Seems like a recipe for a running back in his prime to me.
1: Crazy to think about that. uh, Him and Josh Jacobs are like the same age. (laughs) It's kind of wild. Um, But yeah, I, for the most part, I agree with you. Um, I think that this is the right time to uh, go and acquire Nachi Harris. I, I, I still believe in his athletic profile I think that offense has nowhere to go but up. I mean, Kenny Pickett had some nice flashes, and I think we all sort of knew that he would need a year to, like, get there at least. Um, so give him another year. Uh, let him settle his nerves a little bit. Get that offense a little more rounded. Now that it, it's his offense, there's no Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph looming. Um, go out there and and work in training camp and and get that, offense down i think that he can easily return i mean it was a pretty far drop off between the rookie year and the second year for naji harris but that's also a cliche the sophomore slump it it happens so even without that the fact just with where the offense is where the team is right now i think next year and the years to come are bright uh for naji harris so i think that's a good i think that's a good call there um okay yeah i will take it to a next to the next guy here um and yeah i'll go ahead and i'll throw chris godwin into the mix here um I don't know really what the overall perception of Chris Godwin is currently. I guess I could uh, look him up on keep trade cut just to get a general baseline. I'm not sure really where he's ranked, but let me see. Uh, do-do-do-do-do. Wide receiver 24. So very, very, very back end of the uh, wide receiver two. Um, which is interesting. Um, I actually think that's fair considering the circumstances I have. Yeah. I mean, a very recent uh, five point drop (laughs) for obvious reasons. Tom Brady is no longer a Tampa Bay Buccaneer allegedly. So I get it. Um, We don't know what the bucks are going to do with quarterback. That being said, Chris Godwin, I think is a very prime candidate right now for a dynasty gem resurgence. I still believe in Chris Godwin's athletic profile. I really do. We're not that far removed from his 2019 season where he had like 1,300 yards on like 80 receptions or something. Um, Nine touchdowns, yeah, yeah. 1,333 yards, 86 receptions, nine touchdowns. That was with Jameis Winston. So I will throw that out there. That was the magical 33 and 30 year. So a lot of variability there. Jameis Winston obviously played a huge part of that. However, I still think that we can look forward to a future where Chris Godwin could be very, very good again. All it takes is the Bucs to find a QB that can get him the ball and not use him like the check down running back that the Bucks were somehow using him as last year. Um, I just think that there was a lot of bad stuff going on at the bucks and all that being said, Chris Godwin still finished with over a thousand yards. So I know that fantasy wise, maybe he was a bit of a letdown for people thinking he was going to be a lock and load every week guy. He was definitely more of like a PPR star. Uh, but even then a little bit lackluster, um, but I really do think that as long as the Bucks find someone that can sling the ball there, Mike Evans isn't getting younger. Uh, Chris Godwin should be the wide receiver one there, and if that happens, it's hard for me to not picture him being a wide receiver one with his wide receiver two bottom of the wide receiver two ranking, um, just on keep trade cut, obviously, but still indicative of like how a, a large majority of the community is feeling about him. um, I think that he can easily go back and repeat what he was doing before with how efficient he was on his, uh, on his receptions as long as the bucks can get it right. And I'm just, I guess, trusting the bucks to get it right, which might be wrong, but what fuels me to really think they will get it right is that, they should be hungry especially in that division they should get the the sense of urgency needed to go grab a vet qb that can get godwin the ball that can get him back to his ascendant wide receiver status um as a top wide receiver so yeah i like chris godwin what do you have any additional thoughts on chris godwin
0: I like Chris Godwin as well. Um, I'm not quite sold that he's a gem. Um, I think he ends up staying as uh, kind of capping out as like a high end wide receiver too, um, mainly because of the quarterback questions. Um, But you look at his stats from this past year and it was his lowest yards per target, lowest yards per reception, highest amount of targets, highest amount of receptions. So you have things kind of trending in opposite directions, um, which is really interesting to see. And being a Penn State guy, I very much remember him uh, being a absolute money receiver for Penn State. So
1: yeah, he he is clutch. Like that's the term I would use to describe him exactly. Is he is a he is a clutch wide receiver, and I think that's why they used him like they did. Um, for whatever reason, they knew that he could be kind of a safety valve and get like a lot of receptions, even though that translated to not great, you know, yak and just like depth of target and stuff for him. Um, But yeah, I, I really do think he's young enough. You know, he's kind of in that, I guess I have an affinity for 26 year old uh, wide receivers with good athletic profiles on, on what I think could be good offenses uh, with Chris Godwin and, and DJ Chark. But um, I really do think he could be, he could be a guy and I just saw you post your, your next guy. So I'm excited to uh, talk about him. What What do you got next?
0: Yeah. So the, the next guy that I was going to say is fool's gold, um, is going to be Gabe Davis. So he's on a expiring contract. So 2023 is his final year. Uh, Corey and I, we talked about this pre-show a little bit, um, with the fact that Josh Allen's Cap hit is about to become very real for Buffalo. Um, So they're finally going to realize the amount of cap hit for Josh Allen, which means they're probably going to have to make some considerations uh, for other players. I do not think that they get rid of Stefan Diggs. Uh, I think Stefan Diggs is their big money guy. He's their alpha wide receiver, their number one, uh, which means most likely the other wide receivers aren't going to be able to get paid. Um, so I think they're going to have to backfill them with wide receivers that they draft. Um, and I think Gabe Davis next year, uh, is going to be that kind of guy that is going to do just enough to be able to get a sizable contract as a quote unquote, mid to high end wide receiver two for an NFL team. And I think that's going to be too rich, uh, for the, uh, the bills next year, um, going
1: into the 2024 season yeah okay i i'm pretty much right there with you man um gabe davis man i just he had a lot of I, it almost felt like you know those like cult following movies where it, it's one of those movies that like a, a very small majority really 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 loves it feels like that's what was kind of going on with gabe davis is there was uh this group of people who were really propping him up really really hoping he could be something and then the four touchdown game happened and their view was validated and i get it like that's a that's a crazy performance but to me it's kind of fluky like who has four touchdown games that aren't you know alvin Kamara and i think josh jacobs had one or something like it just doesn't happen that that was an obvious like exploitation that the bills had that they they utilized and that's that shouldn't be indicative of its overall value um and i'm right there with you like gabe davis to me is is almost the opposite of chris godwin in the way that he's like almost opposite clutch he had he drops that were very disappointing and besides the drops he had receptions that that should have he had targets that should have been receptions um and so i just i just don't think he's ultra talented i don't think he's ultra talented to the point where people are ranking him uh well let's just see uh um okay i mean i mean he's wide receiver 40 on keep trade cut so that that's actually like kind of where i'd have him so i think the community might actually be on point with like kind of where they're valuing him um, mid range wide receiver three, kind of a boom bust guy. Um, but yeah, I think I agree with you in, in the sense that if you're hoarding him um, like a dynasty gem, I just, I, I think you'd be much, much better off trying to see if you can get something uh, if you can try to get someone to overpay, maybe try to sell to the Josh Allen owner for uh you know, a high second, that would be, that'd be intriguing to me. Um, But yeah, yeah, definitely not, not super impressed with, with Gabe Davis Um, have quite a, quite a bit of Gabe Davis. So I'm not, it's not like a bias because I don't have him. It's just, yeah, I'm just not impressed generally. So yeah, I think that's a good, good spot to have him.
0: And I mean, I I was just pulling it up because you were on there as well and I was just looking at it and I'm like looking at it and I see right now, Cortland Sutton's below him. Tyler Lockett's below him, Juju Smith-Schuster's below him. Like, give yeah. me all three of those guys over Gabe Davis right now. I mean, those are guys that I can expect to get the targets, to get the receptions.
1: Mm-hmm. Gabe
0: Davis had two games the last this entire last season that he had more than four receptions.
1: I know what the ranking says, but I feel like you can even get like a Jacoby Myers pretty late, like later than Gabe Davis, even though it says forty-four versus forty, and and I. I'd rather have Jacoby Myers at a discount. Okay. Um yeah, I uh this this list is getting choice here. Uh I am going to go ahead and throw it to I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a guy who I think had a decent amount of height. He was taken decently early in rookie drafts when he came out as like Wide receiver, three, four, and albeit kind of maybe a weaker class. Um, Rashad Bateman. Look, Rashad Bateman, I think, is a is a good wide receiver. I really do. I think he has shown things on the field um, and has a profile uh, and draft capital that shows he's a good player. I don't like that he's tied to the Ravens. With that tumultuous QB situation, and even if best case scenario for them, they retain Lamar. I'm still not convinced as of right now that that's a great place for Rashad Bateman to be. Um, Lamar Jackson has just never really been able to show that he can feed a wide receiver one to make him a dynasty wide receiver one. And unfortunately, I just I think that's the case with Rashad Bateman. Um, And so I think you're kind of holding on, in my opinion, to a bit of fool's gold where he looks great. He should be great. I just think he's on like one of the worst offensive situations that he could be on. Um, And I think it's really unfortunate. And I could be proven very, very wrong as Lamar Jackson dealt with like sort of an injury struck career and Rashad Bateman had an injury struck career before that and sort of during that too but I'm not convinced and that's again from a guy that I really do like him as a player I think he's a a talented wide receiver Um, I think he's in a tough spot though on a rookie contract still with the Ravens um, not knowing what they're going to do at quarterback and even if they do figure out Lamar Jackson at quarterback I just don't think it's a great situation so I'm I'm slotting him in fool's gold I don't know how you feel about that
0: it hurts. It hurts, especially for somebody that I was excited for coming out, um, coming out of uh, Minnesota. And he just kind of has flopped. He's been under underperforming. He's been underwhelming. Uh, the injuries not great. Um, so hopefully he turns it around. But as of right now, yeah, I, I would agree. It looks like full school.
1: I think he could be a great like once that rookie contract expires and he goes to another team. I, I think that's kind of what you are if, – if you are like keen on keeping him, I think that's what you're sort of hoping for at this point. Um, granted, the Ravens could make some sort of crazy QB move and maybe change the landscape there. I'm just not – I'm not betting on it. I'm still like a, a pretty firm believer that the mo- the most boring outcome is probably the most likely, and Lamar Jackson will probably continue his career in Baltimore. But, um Yeah. Yeah, It's unfortunate. I agree with you. I, I hate to say it, but I think that's the case.
0: The uh, next one that I hate to say, um, wanted to go with Noah Fant, but everybody's down on Noah Fant at this point. I absolutely loved yeah. him coming out of college.
1: Same. It was kind of why I put him on there. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think everybody's already far enough down um, that he's already kind of considered um, as being pool's gold at this point. Uh, mm. Somebody that's not really going to go up in value especially being in Seattle where they use multiple tight ends. Yeah. So instead I'm going to go with Cam Akers as school's gold. Okay. And I think that's going to be intriguing because so many people saw what Cam Akers did to finish out the season. And I mean, they're looking at a guy that had three straight weeks of over a hundred yards And they're thinking, oh, Cam Akers is back. Well, I would like to remind everybody that they don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a fourth-round pick. They don't have a fifth-round pick. They don't have a sixth-round pick. Uh, They do have a sixth-round pick, actually. And they look at it, and they have a seventh-round pick. So you have to wait until 2024 for them to have their first-round pick again. All right? So they're not going to get much help. The offensive line's decrepit. The defense has a lot of guys that are making a whole heck of a lot of money, uh, which is going to financially tie them. So all of those things considered, I don't think that offensive line is going to get better. Cooper Cup's going to be coming back. Will Matthew Stafford be healthy enough to be able to push the ball down the field um, to be able to pull defenses off of the run game for him? Do I think that he's really going to be able to come back to even ninety-five percent of what Camerers was before the Achilles injury? I just I don't think that I can get there.
1: Statistically unlikely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So statistically, it's not going to happen. Modern medicine's an amazing thing. Um, you look at the the Rams as of right now, and I think they're like ten to fifteen million dollars over the cap uh, going into this off without a bunch of draft capital with a bunch of aging assets, Um, I think it's going to be another tough sledding year. Yeah, maybe he ends up getting 80% of the workload there, another year removed from the Achilles, and they trust him a little bit more, um, like he was getting at the end of the season. Maybe they bring in somebody to, to help take some of the workload off of him and start to extend or think about extending his career a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously there's, there's some murky waters there, right. With like whatever happened where he was almost traded and then inactive for a string of weeks. And then he came back and wasn't good. And then he finally was good pretty much like right after Matthew Stafford got injured. Um, Yeah. But overall, I mean, I tend to agree with you just in terms of like the Achilles tear statistically speaking, isn't good, obviously. But in terms of getting back to what we were hoping he could be when he was drafted, um, I, it's not likely. Um, And I also think that we're kind of looking at what you were sort of alluding to uh, an offense that could very likely descend um, with Cooper cup um, 30 years old with a busted up ankle uh, we'll see. He could absolutely come back and 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 come back to form. That's within the realm of possibilities. But kind of another thing that has some statistical implications to it with that age and and breaking that significantly. Your ankle, uh, Matthew Stafford. Does he come back with his age and and back issues? I'm thinking. I'm I'm just talking as an almost thirty year old right now with my back issues and I don't play in the NFL. And um, I don't know. We'll see, but we'll see how long he can, he can play for. But again, statistics um, tend to go the way of him not lasting too much longer and all that combined with, yeah, like even on the other side of the football, you have these aging, you know, cap sucking assets where they, I just, they're in a really rough spot with very little draft capital. And as a Hawks fan, I love to see it as a guy that has Cam Aker in a couple of leagues, Sucks. Um, I really hope that I can maybe f- flip him after a, a couple of good games next season. That's kind of my my goal with the the few maker shares I have next year because I I'm not optimistic. Um so yeah, I think that he's a great fool's gold of like you thought you mined gold and then you thought, oh no, it's fool's gold, but then you thought, oh no, actually it's gold. But no, actually it's fool's gold. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that's a great one. And yeah, I, that, that ended up also being very fun. I think I'm getting a little bit good at making these fun games for us.